I-56. Highlights in the news at this hour. American Airlines 727 jetliner hijacked by armed man circling St. Louis, awaiting payment of a $500,000 ransom. Billions of dollars in destruction, 76 deaths reported in floods which have ravaged several eastern states. President Nixon says he'll go to the country for a constitutional referendum on school busing if Congress fails to act on the issue. That's the latest from the WOR Newsroom. Lester Smith reporting over WOR New York, your station for news as it happens. I'll be back with another full 15 minutes of all the news at 11 o'clock. Coming up, Gene Shepard. Speaking of uh, rhetoric, uh, I don't know how to accept this. Ah, all right, I will accept it. Uh, did you read what uh, happened? Mysterious things are happening everywhere you go. I'll tell you, you just can't you can't get around the fact that uh, either either uh, witchcraft is coming back or it never went away, and they're just rediscovering it. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, Sheridan, California. Listen, to this little note just came in from the UPI. A shaken Mrs. Al Stewart told Placer County Sheriff's deputies that her goose, and we quote her here, blew up right before her eyes. Her goose. Officer Norman Card checked the story yesterday and confirmed the report. Mrs. Stewart said the goose, a wild bird which made its home with the Stewarts, <laughs> that itself is a kind of a, <laughs> a weird remark. A wild bird which made its home with the Stuarts exploded in midair. I mean, listen to what I just said, friends. 
a goose exploded in midair. Now, that must have been a hell of a mess. But uh, more than that, <laughs> what a sight. Can you imagine seeing a goose exploding in midair? They have no explanation. He just blew, you know, just like the anti-aircraft got him. Boom. He's gone. All right. That is tonight's sermon. We will take that for our topic of discussion tonight. Do you really believe that you can, you can guess what's going to happen to you the next five minutes? I mean, here's this lady standing out there with her, uh, with her newest wash day wonder in her hand, you know, and she's hanging up the clothes. When the wild goose that lives at their house... Don't ask me why this wild goose decided to live with this family. With this... <laughs> I mean, you know, this has ramifications that go way beyond Dostoevsky. With this wild goose, when all of a sudden he takes off, he starts flying around and... Pow! Blows up. Now, I'm going to guarantee you this. This lady... Is never going to look at the world the same. From that minute on. Everything's going to change. Uh, she's got it. Just has to be. No way. Now, uh, this I believe is behind one of the current new upsurges of an ancient, ancient thing. It is not new. Any of you people who walk around who dig witchcraft, who dig magic, who dig the cult of Satanism, who think that you're really with it, you're new. You know, it's a new whole bit. Forget it, friends. Witchcraft was dug long before, I mean, <laughs> long before uh, you were even a gleam in anybody's uh, ultimate uh, ancestral genes. In fact, I suspect that one of the first things that happened, I can see it now. Give me a little echo chamber in there, Al. Let's try a little echo chamber in there. Let's try a little echo, ch echo chamber. Echo. Now watch what we do here. Hello. Hello. Real good. All right, now you keep that in. You keep that in. in, in, in. You keep that now, and I'll give you the cue. When I go like that, Al, I want that echo chamber. When I go like that, I want the bird whistle record. Okay? When I point... Like that, I want you to press the red button and blow the 25th floor off, okay? Each one in its time. And before we, before we plunge into the mysterious, dark, deep recesses of the ancient art of witchcraft, let's start hitting the button for the, for the money crowd, please. Over the past 32 years, Newsday, the Long Island newspaper, has become one of the great success stories in publishing history. Recently, we started a Sunday edition. And what Newsday has done so well six days a week, we're now doing just as well on Sunday. For example, our coverage of television. I'm Lou Schwartz, managing editor of Newsday, and I can tell you one secret about developing a Sunday paper. You give readers something the other papers don't give them. In the Sunday Newsday, for instance, there's a TV book that has no competition because the other papers don't have one. It's a handy color magazine... More like a TV guide than a newspaper TV section, and you keep it on top of your TV all week. We think it'd be great, even if there were competition, but we're prejudiced. Anyway, if you want a Sunday paper with a TV listings magazine, 
There's only one place to get it in Sunday Newsday. Newsday, Long Island's own Sunday newspaper. No service charge for home delivery. Portnoy's Complaint. They really did. They made a movie out of it. Portnoy's Complaint. Some book, some movie. Rated R. Hmm, let's see. That's from Warner Brothers. World premiere now at the Criterion and the Beekman Theaters. Bum, ba-dum, bum. <laughs> oh, listen, I'll tell you, the one of the very first things, it had to happen. You know, the great mileposts that they exist in, the, in people kind's travel from the very earliest days when he was a clam. You know, there is a theory that we did come ultimately from a, a form of creature that resembled the clam. And many friends of mine today still do, certain ways, philosophically, certainly. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, uh, they, they say that the, that the clam resting on the bottom of an ancient antediluvian sea, or a clam-type creature, was the beginning of the whole mess. Led to it all. Led to the War of the Roses. It led to the Crusades. It led to uh, World War II. It led to Portnoy's complaint. It led to all of it. But before that, there had to be one moment. And, and you know, there's, there's been a lot of speculation. At the moment that man crossed the threshold, the moment that, that, that people crossed the threshold from the animal world to the human world. And that moment, that moment was never to be retraced. I could see it now. There's a cave on the shore of an ancient lake. It was so early in history that they hadn't even invented trees. Just nothing but grayness. They didn't have clouds yet. Clouds didn't come along until oh, late in the 17th century, you know. They didn't, you know that they didn't have clouds back around the, the old time of the pyramids. They had not invented clouds, just grayness. And there was a lot of rain. And there was this cave, an ancient lake. And the ancient lake was filled with, with creatures swimming, crawling, ducking in the murk, the mire and the muck of dead bodies of past ancient creatures. And man, who had just recently crawled out upon the shore, was not very much different from any of the other creatures who also had crawled out upon the shore. He still had a vestige of webbed feet. In fact, did I ever tell you about the family that moved next door to our house when I was a kid, the Bumpuses? That, uh... It wasn't until one time when they took all the patrol boys, including Delbert Bumpus, to the beach with us that it was discovered that the Bumpus family had webbed feet. And, of course, that caused a whole different view in the neighborhood. But there are still many people with webbed feet and still have a little vestige of a fin on the back. Yes, do you know that, that a barber can tell you that, that uh, certain people have manes that grow back down the back of their neck. Not hair like you got, but mane. The, uh, there's an actual mane that grows down almost to the backbone. You all know the legend of the trolls, don't you? You know, what is it, a troll? You know what a troll is? little green guy that uh, stays under the uh, bridges? You, you know the legend of the troll, don't you? Has a fin up the back, 
And uh, according to Norse legend, when uh, anybody would come along this uh, road, which went over the went over the river on the bridge, the trolls would come out from over under the bridge and demand payment. And if he didn't pay, forget it. The trolls would cast an evil spell upon him and do other bad things. And I can't think of anything worse than a bad, evil spell. As a matter of fact, I have come to the conclusion. I've thought about it for years. And I've come to some conclusions. There are things which we do not understand. Now, you've heard this said before. And that's an important conclusion because man likes to believe he does understand everything. And if he can only get to the basis of it, everything is explainable. Oh, no. No. I wonder whether or not about 1950 or 55, maybe in that period, if somebody somewhere in the world, some really good practitioner of witchcraft, I'm talking about a really good medicine man, I mean, a guy that really knows his stuff, I wonder whether or not he might have put an evil spell on America. Has it occurred to you that that could be what's happened? There's a gigantic jinx been put on us. Now look, all of you, have you, all of you have had a jinx put on you at one time or another, haven't you, Al? Never, but no one yet. You mean no one has sat in the stands when you were pitching and gave you the horns? Well, maybe you just haven't been aware of it. You know what kind of a season your ball club had, didn't you? Well, I want to tell you, anybody who's really got a genuine jinx on him is not aware of it. He does not know it. Because if he knew it, he could he could pull all... There are certain things which you can do which are called the anti-jinx motions. In other words, if somebody puts a jinx on you, know it. You can do... You can do. For, you want to know what some of the things are? All right, for one thing, God puts the horns on. You know what the horns are like. You ever seen anybody put the horns on? You know, like this? Now, the horns are not just a matter of moving your hand. These two fingers here represent, you know what they represent, don't you? The horns of the devil. All right. When he throws the horns on you and concentrates totally and completely, he is calling upon the powers of darkness and evil to create upon you the image which he has conjured up in his mind. In other words, if, I'm throw, if you're pitching, for example... And I see you out there, and you're laying that, that fastball is really snapping, right? You're throwing smoke today, right? Now, what's the worst thing that can happen to a pitcher if they start hanging, right? Okay. Now, I picture in my mind, I imagine you throwing this curveball, and it's coming up there, and it's looking like a grapefruit as it gets closer and closer to the plate. And you're throwing it at a 340 hitter. Well, you know what's going to happen. There ain't no two ways about it. I mean, this guy's been waiting for this pitch all of his life. It's the pitch at 3 o'clock in the morning when he's dreaming of that big, fat pitch in the sky. It's the one he thinks of, right? And then, as that ball comes closer and closer, and I got the horns on you, and I'm, I'm laying them out there, and I imagine in my mind, I can see this ball coming closer and closer, and, and I can see your terrified face as the bat, the Louisville slugger, starts to move, and then... Now, all you think is that you just have to throw a curveball to hung. I've often wondered about this radio station. Whether or not somewhere early in our career somebody laid the horns on us. 
Got big gambling horns in the sky. This is WOR, New York, and we've got some little cutie pies for you. Hit the button there, please. Thank you. It's bugle time. Right now, General Tire is having a pre-Fourth of July sale on the famous General Jet White Wall Tire. Uh, during this great sale, you can buy a complete set of four tires for only $59.80. That's for the popular size 650 And a few little dollars in tax along there, and you got yourself a new set of tires. So don't miss this fabulous White Wall Tire Sale. It ends Saturday, July 1st at General Tire, where the big red G has stood for quality for over 56 years. See Dick Esposito at General Tire Service 85, East Jericho Turnpike, Huntington Station, Long Island. Bum, ba-dum, bum. It's kind of nice. Oh, yes, but now, getting, getting, the, getting the whammy on you. Had to be a, that had to be a great moment, though. When the first two men, the first two people, the first two humanoids... It's, you can't call them female, you can't call them male yet. They're really not even that. With their sloping foreheads and their tiny beady eyes. Are scrunched down in the open mouth of the cave. In fact, they still have a faint vestige of scales. They don't have skin like you have. Scales. They're squatting down there. When all around them are other creatures... With tails, with scales, with webbed feet, with turtle shells, with great big uh, bulging eyes like toads. But in the cave mouth are two creatures which somehow strangely are different. And both of them are looking out at this swirling storm, the gray fastness of the ancient fog and the lake which they have just so recently left and the two of them have squatted down in the cave for shelter they didn't have winter in those days they hadn't invented it yet that came later that was invented about 1962 they did not have summer as we know it summer did not come in until the fall of 1893 they had not invented sex yet. Sex was invented in the 1870s by a Belgian, in case you're interested, named Adolfo Saxe. His name was later anglicized to sex. There is, in fact, a statue to him in the town of Liège, Belgium. First man to invent sex. We owe a lot to him. But these two sat in the, in the open cave mouth and just looked out at the lashing waters of the ancient lake. They were about to become members. The first two, they were in fact about to become participants, in fact the creator of a historical milestone which we have not yet seen the end of. And probably will never until the last man, the last humanoid, sinks back into the ancient mire and begins to swim under the lily pads back from whence he came. The two of them looking out over the ancient seas. Let's give them names. The one on the right is Charlie. The one on the left is Og. 
And of course, already, since these were the forerunners of the human beings that we all are part of now, more or less, as, uh, as, as the very first thing you notice that already there's a marked difference between Og and Charlie. Og already squatting down in the mud has the low sloping forehead of a man who contemplates his navel, who's concerned with curious, inexplicable things. Charlie, on the other hand, has the large, rotund abdomen. He is a very early Archie Bunker. He is the beginning of a whole line of eaters, drinkers, and belchers and sleepers. The very earliest, one might say, of the Met fans. And the two of them are sitting in the shores of the ancient lake. But at this point, nothing has really happened. And then suddenly, without warning, and yet it has happened millions of times over, and it has gone unnoticed. It has never even so much as caused a flicker in the eyelash of an ancient reptile. Man was the first to do it. An occurrence, which today we all know is easily explained by normal physical laws, happened. Odd, scrunched down in the mud next to his friend Charlie, are watching the ancient lake. Nary a thought has crossed their mind for centuries. It was a slow evolutionary process. This was the extent of their conversation. A series of short, passionless grunts. Uh, really deeply connected only with the inner, the more physical, glandular man. Og was called Og because this was the sound that Charlie made and had summoned his friend. That is the voice of Og replying to Charlie. They snorted a lot in those days. The nose was not shaped the way it is today. A Kleenex was many, many eons in the future. Uh, Vicks VapoRub was not even, even, was not even in the future yet. It was that far away. <laughs> and so they sat, endless eon, until one afternoon. But yet, it's difficult to call it afternoon, since the sun had not yet fully evolved itself. There was no afternoon nor night, as we know, only a continual grayness. The earth was not yet round as we know it, more oblong-shaped. It had not yet spun into the nice, round, uh, pockmarked globe that we know so well from studying in second grade what globes look like. No, no, it was more oblong-shaped, more like a long football covered with water and gray stuff. And two of them sat, waiting, waiting, as we all have waited throughout all of our times for God knows what waiting. Uh-huh. But suddenly, a faint glow appeared in the grayness. And then, a lightning bolt struck, came suddenly from out of the gray, the gray swerving fastnesses, a lightning bolt, and crashed into a rock, exploding it into a trillion pieces down on the shore of the lake. 
their two heads lowered at the fearsome sight. Their minds slowly churned. Maybe what we would call months went by. Took a long time for a thought to go through those murky cheesecloth brains. Then another faint glow in the gray, swirling fog. And... Another rock shatters to bits. When Og looked up at the gray, murky light above him, and he scurried back into the cave to cower next to the burnt-out fire that had left its remains centuries ago when another lightning bolt had struck. His red-rimmed eyes peered at his friend Charlie. He spoke. (laughs) And Charlie nods in perplexity and answers. (laughs) Translated meaning, what the hell's eating you? Og again. <laughs> Translated meaning, there's something out there. Charlie. <laughs> What's the matter with you? There's nothing there, just a bunch of rocks. <laughs> Og was the first man to discover the great unknown. There's something out there. At which point, driven by impulses that he could not explain, he raised his fin where there were tiny vestigial beginning to grow fingers. He raised it to the heavens and pointed two of them pointing upwards. sat for months and the lightning did not return. Two years passed and Og finally crept out of the cave and said the following. (laughs) Charlie looked and said, (laughs) Og had said to him, I fixed it. Charlie said, (laughs) Meaning, fixed what? Ox. <laughs> the big light in the sky. It's after us. I fixed it. I fixed it. And he pointed his fingers skyward. Yes, he was the first discoverer of magic. Of course, within five minutes, Charlie had developed the anti-magic faction. And so, throughout history... The anti-magic people have battled the magic people. And it's been a standstill. To this day, it remains a standstill. But every time a faint flickering light, every time a glow appears over New Jersey, over Rhode Island, over Idaho, over Oahu, over China, over Bombay, 
A faint glow appears and... Somebody says... Magic has never left us. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that was very good. Oh, God. Yeah, I'll, no, wait a minute. Now, don't run away. I mean, yeah, I, I, see, I, I, I just don't put down magic. I, I just don't do it. And and uh, I'm going to lay something on you here that you're not going to like, and I'll tell you what it is. You know that, that one of our ways to deal with the uh, the great inexplicable is music. Ever occurred to you that music <laughs> music is used to ward off the evil devils? And I mean, it's the evil devils of the soul. It's the evil devils that gnaw away at you when you sit in the bathtub. It's the evil devils that pursue you when you whistle along the Jersey Turnpike. It's the scorpions that bite in the night and the things that bump. La-da-dee, la-da-dee. See, it wards off the evil devils. It brings out a few. But it wards them off, too. And, uh, you know, there's an old slogan in, in television and radio, speaking of evil devils. They say when the devils are nipping at you, when evil is creeping up on you on cat's feet, there's nothing like throwing in a commercial to bring us back to normality, right? <laughs> oh, well, all right. How about a commercial here? Let's see what we've got. Oh, yes. Uh, well, this one says... It's about ready to start. The Super Bowl of Public Affairs. The presidential nominating conventions. Television's biggest extravaganza. Isn't that interesting that to describe the presidential nominating convention as television's biggest extravaganza? The place where the TV industry has introduced its greatest innovations. Coast-to-coast network broadcasting, Huntley Brinkley, the creepy peepee. Do you remember the creepy peepee camera? You remember that? Big deal. Color. 
Anyway, the conventions are television show as much as the politicians. And there's a story this week in New York Magazine. Uh, crack political reporter Richard Reeves reports on the reporters. So if you want to know about these guys that are going to be reporting all this stuff for you, uh, read it in this week's New York Magazine, which is on sale now. Okay? And while we're on the subject of commercials, let's get by with another one here. Let's see. Shoetown, Shoetown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Shoetown, Shoetown. Ah, this week, Shoetown has uh, world-famous Jack Purcell sports sneakers for the amazingly low price of just six sixty-six. Uh These Jack Purcells... Uh, by the way, they usually go for a hell of a lot more than that, as you know. These Jack Purcell sports sneakers are slightly irregular. Little tiny irregularities, but they don't affect the wear and so tiny that you'll probably never even be able to see it. And if perfect, these babies go for about twelve ninety nine. In fact, they go for exactly twelve ninety nine. But you can get them at Shoe Town sale price of six sixty six. That's Jack Purcell sports sneakers, and they're really fine sneakers. Incidentally, uh, they have uh, sizes uh, six and a half to twelve, boat or tennis size. That's uh, you know tennis style or boat style. Six sixty six at Shoe Town, and this sale ends Saturday. There are over 30 Shoetown stores in the suburban New York metropolitan area. So check the white pages of your suburban phone book for the one nearest you. Ah, uh, that's got racial overtones. The white pages, what do you mean? Uh, that's bad news. <laughs> but, uh, no, wait, we've done them all, right? Well, you know, I want to tell you something. You, did you hear that music there that I just played? Bring, bring a little bit of that in there, Al. Just, just, just sneak it in a bit. Listen to this. Yeah, that's it. That's man. That's it. tell you something about that. <laughs> it just hit me. Then I'll bet a lot of you, I just just want you to bet a lot of you people have never really seen a genuine jug band. Now, I'm not talking about the cutie pie college versions. I mean, that's, that's something else again, uh, because uh, jug bands recently had a big thing where, uh, you know, college kids are getting out jugs and, and, uh, and kazoos and stuff. And playing them, by the way, quite badly generally, but well enough for people who've never heard it before. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's like the blind leading the blind. But uh, and they all think they're fantastic. Oh, this is you know great. But I wonder how many of you have never really seen a real jug band. Now, what is a real jug band? Well, anybody that has jugs, I suppose, can call itself a real jug band. But I will never forget an incident. And I know that I've never told you this. I've never told this story because it never hit me until just now. Uh, just hearing that and talking about warding off the evil spirits, that jug band sound brought up a, brought up a whole image in my mind which has, has sort of lain dormant. It just popped out. You know, I wonder, I wonder about us. I wonder about our minds. I wonder in this way. That as we walk around, I don't care how many years you've lived. Let's let's assume. Let's just let's just take for argument's sake. You're 25. Uh, you have lived 25 years. Now, out of the 25 years, 
probably a third of it is spent sleeping, roughly. So that leaves, uh, well, you know, what is a third of 25? About eight, right? Eight years sleeping. That would leave you, say, 16 years of being awake, being conscious. Now, out of that 16 years, probably, quite possibly, uh, 10% where when you were just waking up or just going to bed and you were just sort of dopey, you weren't really conscious, see? So we'll knock that off. We'll knock 1.6 years off. That would leave roughly uh, 15 years out of a guy who was 25 years old. Roughly 15 years, he has been absolutely conscious. Where he's been seeing things, he's been looking at things, he's been absorbing things, he's, he can evaluate things. That's what consciousness means. He's reacting to his environment. Well, I wonder whether or not it's somewhere stored inside of us someplace, if we could tap it, if there isn't a memory of every last instant of those 15 years. Yes, I mean, even nothing, the dull moments when you're just sitting. That, that inside of you, if, if, you're, if you're 25 years old, is 15 years of continuous tape that if you could start it, you could, you could relive the entire sequence. You could bring it out and examine it somehow if you could tap that memory. Well, <laughs> I've often wondered about this. Now, here, here I, I just heard, a, and, and I think it takes a triggering something to, to, to do it. So I'm sitting here, and I hear that little note, and I'm thinking of the evil spirits. And I'm thinking about warding off the darkness. And I am convinced that, that music is part of our magical process. That's why music can never be explained. You know that, that guys, uh, there's, a, there's a field of study called aesthetics. And they have attempted to explain why man produces music. Almost every known human creature, uh, any tribe produces some kind of music. Why? What is it? You say, well, it's pleasant. It's groovy. Well, that's not enough. Why is it? Why is the sound of somebody going... Why is this done? <laughs> that, that wasn't bad, was it? Well, a good question is, why the hell did you do that? But that, that could be called music. It could be called... Look at this thing here. I played this baby. Now that's a Jew's heart. Music, music is found everywhere. Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I'm convinced that that uh, we all we all relate to it somehow. That that old folks watching Lawrence Welk, it says something to them. It really does. Don't put it down. It says something to them. Something that, that those of us who are not part of that scene can't quite understand. But it says something. Just as clearly as the sound of somebody beating together on two sticks in a jungle says to those people. And what it is is a, is a language that has to do with magic. <laughs> I mean magic. In the best sense of the word. I'm not talking about... I'm talking about another kind of magic. Well, one night, I'll tell you something about jug bands. I'll never forget a jug band. One night, and it was a curious night, 
I was in a convoy of trucks in the Army, and the trucks were closed. Have you ever seen troop carriers with the, with the big canvas over the top? They were closed and sealed. It was a secret movement that this unit that I was in was making. It was a radar unit, a strategical radar unit, and we were, we were on the move at night. And we had been sealed in these trucks since about noon the previous day. And now it is about midnight. It's roughly midnight, maybe 1 o'clock in the morning. And we are riding along what appeared to be a gravel road through thick, thick undergrowth. And this was down in the Florida Everglades. And it was hot. And we had been sitting in this these trucks for hours and moving towards God knows where. We had no idea where we were being taken, nor why. We just knew that it was an important move. Well, we stopped in a little tiny town that was not much more than a clearing in, in this, this undergrowth of jungle. Hot, it was in August. The temperature was maybe 105 degrees. And right on the, on the board sidewalk next to us, as our trucks pulled in up there, they, they were letting us out to stretch a little bit and walk around and drink some cool water, which they had kept in the truck ahead of us, and to, to get our heads straightened up a little bit after riding for about 19 hours in the back of a truck, were four guys standing in front of a little general store, four of them, and, and, and I'd never seen anything like this before. It was in the darkness. These guys are playing. I'm serious. One guy's got a one guy's got a, a washboard. Another guy's got a big gallon jug. And it was a third guy. He had a violin made out of a Garcia cigar box. <laughs> and it was a fourth guy. He had about 19 different things. He had a comb. He had a kazoo. He had the wire brushes that he was banging away on the top of a paint can. And these guys were playing away at 1 o'clock in the morning for us. They were greeting us. It was a fantastic moment. And, and all the GIs had never seen this before. You know, most of us were from, were from places like the city. We were from all kinds of places. Uh, never heard anything like this before. But this suddenly changed the whole complexion of everything we were doing, the quiet sound of these guys. And we piled back in the trucks, and everybody, you know, gave them a, gave them a quarter or half a buck. And you, you could hear these guys blowing away, see, as we drove down into the jungle. Just fading out in the distance. And we talked about that. The rest of us stuck together in this unit. It was Company K and this radar company for about three years after that. And every once in a while, somebody would get out a comb and start blowing. And it just brought back that whole moment. It's a very private instant. But it was a jug band. I'd never seen a jug band before. It was a real one, too, by the way. These guys in the deepest, darkest, uh, most uh, dense section of the undergrowth of the Everglades magic, mysterious forces at work out there in the howling darkness, that deep within each one of us there is still a tiny arc, 
still, still looking into that gray, swirling, unconscionably impenetrable fog, squatting on your pancreas, looking out. Next to him is a miniature Charlie, who's the other side, the scoffer. What are you talking about? <laughs> Get out of there. And I keep saying, well, you never can tell. I mean, you never can tell. There's a lot of stuff you can't explain. And then the Charlie and you saw, oh, come on, it's ridiculous. It's silly. What do you mean, walk under ladders? It's ridiculous. <laughs> While that business of 13 Friday, that's ridiculous. Then Og, the others, said, yeah, but what do you mean? How about the time that the, the hurricane blew up the shore of Jersey? It was on the 13th Friday. What are you talking about? You never can tell. And the two of them keep battling it out. Battling it out. Magic. <laughs> and by the way, have I noted to you it is now Friday? Friday is a magical day. You know what the name Friday itself stands for? You do? That's a hell of a note. I thought I knew something you didn't know. Oh, listen, Saturday. Saturday is, is Saturn's day. It also is Satan's day. Do you know that? That's why everybody hangs one out on Friday. The devil is behind you, friend. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Wow, this is WOR New York. You stay tuned for Lester Smith with the news.